Hello, this is Melissa. It's Real History. Today is Thursday, the 14th of September, already 2023. And I'm here today with Neil Foster. Hello, Neil. Hello again. How have you been? Oh, hot. (laughs) Hot hot and busy. Yeah, that sounds sounds the same as me. So in stereo, we're hot and busy. Yeah, with with a chicken issue. Uh, that one turned out not to be a chicken, turned out to be a, a, a rooster. Ah, okay. what did you so do? We, uh, we found a, a local um, free-range farm just close oh. by in the day to come. Oh, great. In exchange, it, they, was, they were getting, uh, it was one of the Rhode Island Reds, and they were, they were going to get three hens, so they wanted a Red Island rooster, and they gave us a dozen duck eggs for them, so that was okay. So he's happy. He's got three hens all to himself. <laughs> and uh, the, rest, the rest of them seem a lot more settled now they're not getting chased about by a rooster. How did you figure it out? Just by the way he's behaving, these feathers and stuff. And thought, oh, no, he looks a bit boyish. Uh. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was misgendered, actually. <laughs> because uh, they're supposed to be, all the ones you buy from the, the local store are supposed to be hens. But uh, I did speak to somebody else, or Paula spoke to somebody else, who said that they don't always get it right, and in this case, it didn't. So she was misgendered and uh, ended up being a he. So Fiona became Fred overnight. <laughs> Are you sure it happened in the store as a mistake? He didn't just get to your uh, pen no, he there. Didn't, he didn't change his mind. No, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, it's she's still his chicken breasts, but, uh, <laughs> or he still has chicken breasts. Put it that way. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad you solved the problem and you didn't have to go through hormone replacement therapy and all no, that. We had to re- you know, had to affirm his identity. Yes. <laughs> what, what do they actually call it? I think hormone replacement therapy is for postmenopausal women, but what do they call it when you're transitioning? What's that? Uh, stupidity. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a, I think it's brain replacement therapy you need. Okay. <laughs> but um, bump, we're off to a good start here. <laughs> yep. Okay, so what's first? You have sent me so many interesting things that uh, I'm trying to get to the, the chat part of the screen here to see. I think the thing that, as I was re-going through everything that you sent, there's two things that jumped right out at me. First of all, I watched the video that you sent me from ABC News about big-name retail stores targeted by gangs of thieves. Mm. Yeah. And I think, it, uh, yeah, carry on, sorry. No, it's okay. Okay, go ahead. No, I think one of your other uh, interviews mentioned this as well. And one of your, I don't know if it was real history or somebody else you spoke to was talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think these are, I think it's almost like um, Antifa and BLM, you know, the, the organized gangs uh, set out to do this stuff because there's obviously the agenda is going to be followed with this thing and that it's going to ban us all from stores without um, biometric ID. Yes. That's, that's, and, and of course, the all the all the food and all the goods are going to be locked behind, you know, shatterproof glass and all this kind of thing. And you'll need, you know, retinal scans and all sorts of things or fingerprints or whatever it may take to, to open the door mm-hmm. to get your food. 
And I think that's what it's all about. I think you're right. I was listening this morning first thing to one of the about four-hour talks that Alan did, this one in 2020, and I was specifically looking for some certain subject matter, but he did talk about basically biometrics and scans if you're not properly you-know-whatted and they're not up to date with your new you know what's then you know well, alarms well, go off and you're not allowed to shop yeah i think i think in that video actually they mentioned the word uh, the phrase flash mobs yes they did they did yeah and uh, of course alan's got the uh, the the, uh, the talk on flash mobs one of his uh, better known ones i guess um and yeah these these are just flash mobs mm-hmm. but they're just just flash flash um shoplifters Mm-hmm. That's all they are. And, you know, they're going in there and stealing this stuff. And they, um, I think the retailers say, you know, it's going to cost every, every shopper $500 more a year to do yes. the shopping because of all this. No, 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 no. They're all insured for that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's nonsense. That's just an excuse to put prices up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to lose out of this. Now, there were, there were a couple other things too that stood out to me. The, the first is, when they mentioned in particular there's this young woman that they know has done this repeatedly, they have her name, she's been on camera and so forth, but they kind of wring their hands like, oh, what do we do, what do we do? Um, yeah. Yeah, what, what, what ever happened to three strikes and you're out? Right. I mean, they know okay, who sure. these people are, they have their information as soon as they walk in and okay so they're wearing their hoods and their their faces blocked and everything no they've got do you know that a piece of software this morning this is not like an app on a tiny device this was on a computer asked me if for extra security i wanted them to, would i allow them to take a picture of my face <laughs> I guess your answer uh, only had two letters in it. <laughs> it was either no or fuck you. I know, and it took me a minute. I, I actually said, oh, well, let me run put some lipstick on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just so ludicrous, the times that we live in, but that's it. Well, the, uh, but what really stood out for me was there, were, there was something very tragic about the man whose father, uh, do you remember when the elderly man was killed? In, I think that was, that was in that video, I think. Yes, it was in the oh. video. This was at Home Depot, and I remember when it happened, it hasn't been that long. I think it's been within the last year that a a man, he was 82 years of age and he was working at Home Depot and he really loved his job. He connected with the people and one of these gang guys came in stealing something and the story goes that he was, the old older man wanted to approach him and get some ID and the, the thief, thug, knocked him down and he hit his head on a pot you see it they show it to you on the video but that yeah. fall the fall killed him mm-hmm. and there were a yeah, couple but- well there was a couple of things that struck me about that first of all the way the son portrayed his father was that he 
just loved working at Home Depot. And he said, in fact, they had to have two funeral services for him because everyone, even new employees to Home Depot there that had really hadn't even met his father, wanted to attend the funeral. So that there was that. But what struck me is I remember when I was up in Canada, They in Canada they have a chain of coffee stores, you know, it's like, their Starbucks or something called Tim Hortons, Timmy's. You go to Timmy's to get your cup of coffee. And what one thing that I noticed and I remarked on, to Alan about this was, say, in the last half dozen years, you'd see more and more post-retirement age people working at Timmy's. So women who might be 65 or 70 or even older working there. And I chatted, I got in a conversation one day with one of them. She was in a kind of a bad mood and she took it out on me. And I was not, I I don't know, I kind of gave it right back to her. And then I immediately felt bad about it. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sure that you, you've got your hands full and you may not even like this job. And she looked at me and said, I don't, (laughs) I don't like this job, but I have to have it. And so that was one thing that struck me. Okay. This guy that was killed, he loved it. He's 82 years old. He's working perhaps not because he has to, but because he enjoys it. But you have now Many, many, many people who are post-retirement age, not just in the U.S., not just in Canada, but all over the world, who have to work at what you used to think of as minimum wage high school jobs, you know, the jobs that teenagers did, saving money. Yeah, well, now, now uh, I guess post, post-retirement used to be pre-retirement. They keep increasing the age. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and people are, are being forced to work whether they want to or not. That's right. Um, up to a, an age where they're, they're possibly not able to work. Maybe they've just they've done enough and that's it. You know, they've worked 50, 60 years of life and they've had enough, but they're forced to do it because they can't pay the bills. And, uh, yeah, that, that struck me as well. Why would an 80, 82-year-old man be working? Okay, he must, he must really like his job. Mm-hmm. He must really like it. Or he's been forced to. And I don't think the son is going to say he's been forced to begin because then somebody might turn around to the son and say, well, why didn't you help him out? Well, and we don't know. I mean, maybe he was helping him out, you know. I mean, in a way, it's just like it's so hard even when you're trying to pull together. The other thing that struck me, though, because I was, I've been in this frame of mind that all week long thinking about things, you know, social media and the way in which we interact with each other and the way in which we get our supposed news or information or disinformation is the idea of how little we know that is true and how hard it is to have connections with people that are are true and genuine and how do we manage you know alan used to talk about we're in data overload we're bombarded and this is a technique they just attack us slam us with data all day long and the one the the newswoman asked this man who'd lost his father killed at Home Depot, what did you lose? What is the the biggest thing that you think that you've lost? And the man said, time. He did not hesitate. He said, time. 
He said that the, the time that I might have had with my father, the time that he would have to see his grandchildren, the time that we would have for, you know, as he, as he got older and headed towards the end of his life, all of that now has been taken away. His time with his family is gone. And you so yeah. rarely hear people talk about, I mean, because he said it. He said something so true, and you rarely hear so true on the nightly news. He said, the only thing we have is time. Yeah, I, I, I feel that myself because, you know, I work four days and the four hard days. And uh, it's, it's funny that the head guy of the whole place down at uh, Amazon there was saying, oh, we're coming into peak season and there'll be, there'll be plenty of overtime. And I turned around to my colleague and said, who, who really wants overtime here? <laughs> Ten hours is enough. Why would you want it? Nobody wants overtime. Nobody. You know, I don't know anybody there that's there for overtime. Fair enough. If you do eight hours and then you maybe get ten, that's fine. But if you're doing ten, you don't want any more. No. You know, and uh, it's again, it's time. Like, you know, I'll do my four days. I'll come back here. The first day, I'm 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 wiped out. I'm like, I really don't want to do anything. But I've got things to do. You know, I've mm-hmm. got to go to the store. I've got to do this. I have to take Paul to your doctor. That's a five-hour round trip. You got to do that. Uh, you know, there's other things to got to do. And, and just your three days off, just go and you're back to work again, back in the the mill. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, time time is uh, precious. You got to make of it what you can. It is. You know, and, uh, again, it's um, talking about going to visit my parents. I'm 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 now waiting to see what happens with this COVID nonsense to see if I'm even going to be able to go. It's you know, my parents are in their eighties. I've got to go sometime, but um, if they stop us going, there's nothing I can do about it. Ah, uh, well, I, I, fingers crossed that 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 you're able to. Get there well, my, and back. My, my, my sister says that things over there aren't going as, as the, the establishment would wish it to go. I, I don't think people are going to put up with it as much as they did last time. I don't, I, I, I don't think in, in Europe they'll get, they'll get away with this again. I really don't. Really? I, I, especially Eastern Europe. I think Eastern Europe will say, ah, oh, no, screw this. We're not doing it. We've yeah. been here before. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about COVID. <laughs> yes. You know, they've been there before. Yeah. And uh, they know they know what it looks like, and I think they're starting to see through it uh, in a big way. Well, let's let's hope so because I, they're gearing up in a big way, and I'm seeing out and about more and more people masked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I, I, I saw one video, but um, I, I don't know. I didn't save it or anything. Um, that Paula sent me. Um, that these guys in the UK are just. Uh, Looking at people walking past with masks on and turning around like the um, invasion of the body snatchers, just pointing at them and laughing. Yay! That was another point that was brought up on the you know these gang robberies at stores. Mm-hmm. When the head of I think he might have even he was like top guy at Home Depot, and they discussed the fact that these criminals had actually been emboldened by the mask wearing of yeah. COVID. That was in that video as well, yeah. yeah. And, and also, this is uh, something else. That happened. This uh, head guy at Amazon, who I, I mentioned it before, was uh, way up in the military and all this rubbish. And um, I don't know what he's working there for. He, he must have he must have a good pension. I don't know why he's doing that. Um, but it's Amazon, so you never know what his uh, his real motivation is. But he was saying, "Oh, we need to implement new security, da 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 da," because uh, there's been a lot of robberies in stores and all this kind of thing. And I thought, who in the right mind is going to break in here and steal a bag? You know, try and try and rob this place. It's impossible. You can, you can grab a few packages, but you have no idea what's in them. 
Mm-hmm. It could be worthless junk from China. You know, I mean, you, nobody's going to break in there and steal anything. You know, it's, it's nonsense. It's just, uh, they're trying to, they're trying to catch people coming in the wrong industry so they can fire them, basically. Try and get rid of bad workers, shall we say, who mm-hmm. then replace good workers. But, uh, they seem to have like a problem holding on to good workers, so I don't see how they're going to do that anyway. The whole, everybody's, um, I don't know, there's a sense of paranoia and, and just, uh, total unobjectivity about anything. Everything's uh, just react, react, react. There's no thought processes involved. There's no, uh, oh, why is this happening? You know, I, I, I went up to this guy afterwards, and I, I, I brought up eBay. I said, you're talking about security. I said, look at all these Amazon uniforms on eBay. I said, who do you think's buying them? Mm-hmm. I said, it Amazon workers. I said, people want to impersonate Amazon drivers. He says, yeah, you're right. I said, nothing we can do about it. I says, of course you can. You can assist to return the uniforms. Exactly. <laughs> it's quite simple. And if they don't return it, you take it off their last paycheck. It's, it's simple. And he, he, he just walked off. I thought, well, he doesn't care about security. So there's, a, there's, a, there's another reason behind it. Absolutely. Talking of which, here's an Amazon van coming down here. He's probably got my tablet that uh, I ordered just now. <laughs> anyway, I always give them five stars because I know they've all got to compete with us. Uh, yeah, I, think, I, I don't care where he leaves a package as long as I get it. You get five stars. But, well, uh, you also sent me, you sent me quite a lot of good articles, but you sent me something about an energy bill that's going through Parliament yes. in the UK. So if you want to elaborate on that. Well, basically, I can't see the article in the Telegraph because it's, uh, you've got to pay £9 a month or whatever it is for the paywall. But anyway, the title of the article in the, um, in the Telegraph is Property Owners Who Don't Comply With New Energy Rules May Face Prison. Ministers want to grant powers to create new criminal offences and increase penalties as part of efforts to hit net zero targets. But if you look at the bill, it's just, it's not just uh, homes they're talking about, it's, it's aviation, fuel, it's everything. Yes. Everything is targeted. Yeah. Uh, I have to go through this bill. I can't, I'm not going to be able to go through it. It's, it's massive. I, I actually opened up a bill. So the, the bill is, what is it? H- HL 168? Uh, wait a minute. It's, well, the one I'm looking at said the report stage on Monday the 4th of September. It's been amended. So it's the energy bill HL as amended. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that I think we're talking about the same thing. I went to the yeah, UK uh, Parliament, and uh, it doesn't have the number on this this okay. particular part of it. But then um, it's part of the Climate Change Act and renewable transport fuel and all this rubbish. That they're going to basically ban everybody from having gas boilers. Um, if you have one, they're going to insist that your house is um, no. You got no. Sorry, you got to replace it with a heat pump at your own expense. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you don't, they can basically take your house off you mm-hmm. and say it's uninhabitable. I, I remember Alan talking about this on a number of occasions that this was going to come in, and here we are. Yes. And the same thing's happening in France. And here's here's uh, I'm only on page eight, right? Prohibition of energy production from coal by January first, twenty twenty-five. How are they going to power all those electric cars? Exactly. <laughs> There's no coal. Exactly. That's what's powering them right now, and the windmills. And well, that's your fifteen-minute city and bicycles and all this other nonsense. But looking yeah. at the the beginning, the opening of the bill from 
the UK Parliament. It says a bill to make provision about energy production and security and the regulation of the energy market, including provision about the licensing of carbon dioxide transport and storage. Okay, mm-hmm. now it goes on for about a paragraph, but I was I immediately stopped there because licensing of carbon dioxide transport and storage. Well, what do we exhale? Exactly. We are the transport and storage of carbon dioxide, so we have to yeah. be licensed to move. Correct. Yeah, travel restrictions. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. Yeah, well, that's, and as I say, they go into aviation. And mm-hmm. uh, fla- flaring and venting, you're not allowed to burn off uh, gases and all this kind of thing. And uh, nat- Well, this new clause is intended to ban flaring and venting of natural gas, which means you can't pump oil. Mm-hmm. You can't pump oil without getting rid of the gas. The gas is the plug on the on the oil. Right. You only have to get rid of it. Right. Um, and date of cessation of issuing of oil and gas exploration production licenses, the banning of coal mines. It's, it's all in here. There's going to be no energy left. No. Nothing. I, honestly, Neil, when I saw this, this is the most sweeping... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, this says it all. I mean, here's a, sub, a subheading on page... Oh, here we are. And, it, it, you know, all this, and I know Caroline Lucas, she used to head the Green Party, and she's a fanatic. Um, and another guy here called Chris Skidmore. Now, we'll be on the skids, all right, mm-hmm. uh, under this stuff. But, uh, sorry, I just I scrolled up and it just keeps jumping because it's such a big document. Wasn't that Caroline the one that Alan used to talk about all the time, who mm-hmm. said her big famous quote was that, in order to get people to comply with all of the different things that we'd need to be net zero, that you need a wartime scenario. Yeah. Wasn't that, that was her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the, the subtitle on this uh, subheading in section NC6 <laughs> is net zero power supply. Well, that explains everything, doesn't it? You're not going to have any. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to have any. I mean, how can you have a net zero power supply? That means you have no power supply. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. which they obviously understand that their uh, renewables aren't going to work at all. Energy Charter Treaty. Within six months of the day on which this act is passed, the Secretary of State must initiate procedures for the United Kingdom to, to withdraw from the Energy Charter Treaty. Um, must initiate. Why must they? Who, who's, who's telling them what to do? Mm-hmm. The British government. Somebody's telling them what to do, right? Um, and they're out of the European Union, apparently, so who's, who's their boss now? Um, fossil fuel local power plants with a capacity of less than 500, uh, sorry, 5 megawatts are not eligible for participation in community and small-scale electric export guarantee scheme. Uh, so nobody's going to be able to produce anything. And uh, as, as far as I understand, I saw a little video uh, a month or so ago where a lady in Australia was explaining the, the windmills and how they operate. They're, they're, they're cranked up with um, diesel generators uh, because they're not windmills, they're turbines. So they need power to turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're cranked up with uh, diesel generators and the diesel generator is what keeps them going. And any electricity they produce goes back to the the, uh, the electricity supply uh, system and they can't use it because it's, it's not uh, stable. So they have to vent it off in gases or steam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, they produce nothing, and, and and these people, these uh, windmill operators or wind turbine operators, are getting something like a thousand dollars for each one. Yes, 
And it may be that there are people listening to us talk who don't know about the blades on the turbines, but they, there's nothing that can be done with them. They can't be recycled. No, or, or, or the shafts. <laughs> no. Or the things that are built onto. This is, they're huge graveyards because they cannot be recycled. They cannot be disintegrated. They're, they're, all that you can do with them is bury them. Yeah, maybe they should send out in Maui, then they might come, they like to go into dust. <laughs> that might work. Um, but, but yeah, that, the windows, that's a, a special, special panels. fire. Yeah, also solar panels, you can't recycle them. Uh, the electric cars, you can't recycle them. None of this stuff is recyclable. It's all just sitting there gathering dust and rusting and causing uh, environmental devastation. And uh, all these greenies will say, oh, we're saving the planet. No. No, I, I think there there are true environmentalist people who oh, ha- yeah. have have not drunk the Kool Aid, who can see what is going on, and but they're all, always going to be marginalized. Mm-hmm. But the point well, is, so yeah. that we don't, we cannot cool and heat ourselves. You know, I was listening to one of the. I think I put it up recently, or I may have just been listening to it. But Alan was talking about exactly what you're saying. This net zero means that you are not allowed to heat yourself at all. But he said people living in warm climates don't think that you escape because you won't be allowed to cool yourself either. And no. yet today the high hit. Um, it was supposed to be 108, but it's it got up to 111. So we're talking about 42, what, 42, 43 degrees? Mm-hmm. And yesterday it was the same. It was about 42 degrees, really, really hot. And one of my brothers was telling me that he'd heard on the news that we just escaped a series of rolling brownouts, but they had been talking all day long like, oh, we're either going to black you out or have a ser- brownouts all day long. And already last week we had a few of them. Yeah, well, just before we came on air, my, uh, my one surviving AC unit uh, started leaking through the roof in the kitchen, so mm. <laughs> that's on its way out. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it says um, the Secretary of State must, by regulations, um, require the upgrade of all equipment to alternative zero. What's, what does that mean, alternative zero? Zero, zero, right? Or low emission and low maintenance equipment, such as electric, mechanical, or compressed air. Um, you know, <laughs> nothing's going to work. Nothing. Mm-mm. And and one of the one of the co-signatories to this is Jeremy Corbyn, who's supposed to be one of these guys fighting for the people, right? Uh, he's on here, oh, yeah. along with Harley Lucas. Yeah. You know, they're all in it together. As they, uh, keep the red flag flying here, as they yes, say. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. as, as mandatory for all licensed electricity gas suppliers, it is targeted at households that are in or at risk of fuel poverty. Well, they won't be at risk of fuel poverty; they just won't have any fuel at all. That's right. So you know, that's it. Yeah, that's right. um, <laughs> it automatically enrolls eligible households onto the tariff, and you can guarantee that tariff is going to be way more than they can afford. And of course, smart meter rollout for prepayment customers. Um, well, we had a smart meter for a, a few months uh, after telling them that we didn't want one, and they snuck it on when we weren't in a, at home. And I discovered it a couple of months later when our electricity bill skyrocketed. Told them to take it off, and it went back down again. Yeah. 
So, but they charge us $15 a month for sending a guy out to Rudemere. Now, we had a similar situation up in Canada and um, eventually got rid of it. But they just show up, they put the new meter there, and you're, you know, you're correct. The bills skyrocket. Mm-hmm. I, I, my, one of my jobs was constantly reading the meter and, you know, comparing it to what, and, and it, you know, back in the old days when we'd get a bill, it was, you, you'd see how many kilowatt hours you use, you compare it to the bill, you could go out and look at your meter and it's all right. Well, once they started the smart meters, at least up in Canada, they no longer sent you meter reading based bills. They sent you estimates. Mm-hmm. Yep. So every month you're getting an estimate. It's like, no, I'm sorry, I don't pay estimates. I pay bills. Yeah, well, talking about uh, meters, uh, they're going to restrict the use of prepayment meters. Now, this used to be a thing for people who were kind of hard up, and it, it would be a way of forcing them to reduce their energy use because they'd be very aware that they have to keep putting money into this, this coin slot, right? Oh, yeah? They're going to ban them. How, how does that help people? No. Well, you. Re- I don't know if you remember Alan talking about this, but he talked about growing up in Scotland, and that's the way they lived. Yeah, I lived like that so, sometimes. Yeah? Yeah, they- you, you put a 50, 50p, it was, you put in on, a, well, it went up to a pound coin. You just had to pump these coins in, and then it would tell you how much it was. And you could see it running down. Uh-huh. You know, oh, geez, we better turn the heating off, or, you know, whatever. But it made you save energy. Yeah. This, and now they're going to ban them. Well, how, how does that make sense? You know? Because they want to get you onto this um, fluctuating tariff where you don't know what you're using when. No, everything is about control. Uh, It's it's the same thing as no longer being able to buy software. You have to rent it on a yearly basis. You can't, you know, I mean, I still store things the old-fashioned way and back up the old-fashioned way. But, oh, the cloud, the cloud, you know, all of these things that are supposed to be convenient and help you, this is about them controlling us. It's not about helping us, you know. If, if, no, not at all. If we're going to be right. helped, we know exactly how much energy we're using. That's called a meter, an old-fashioned meter, and that system worked just fine for decades. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, if they really want to help people, they take the VAT off it. That would, that would help. Yeah. I think it's. Uh, I don't know what it is on energy over there, but um, when I was there, it was twenty-one percent. Mm-mm-mm. And people, people talk about um, you know sales tax here being seven percent. Jesus, they need to go over to Europe and see what taxes really like. Yeah, and also too for people living in Canada or the states who don't know what a VAT is, this is really considered a luxury tax. Mm-hmm. On well, luxury on items, luxury but now it's on everything. So yeah. in, initially, it might have been, you know, a fine piece of fancy apparel or alcohol or something like that. But no, now your your energy bill has VAT on it. Yeah, well, I, I, alcohol and cigarettes have got a different tax on them. Ah, uh, I think they, I think there's VAT and or something else. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, the VAT. Um, it used to, yeah, as you say, it was luxury goods. It would be, it would be maybe you know top range uh, clothing like Gucci or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, whatever overinflated prices goods were. Um, maybe you know uh, luxury foods, lobster and all that kind of stuff. That's uh, things, things that weren't necessary, mm-hmm. right? Things that they didn't actually need to survive. Right. There were, were extras which right. you could afford to pay for. That that's the only thing. 
that uh, VAT was initially put on. And now you, you can't you can't escape it. It's virtually on everything. I mean, it's even on tampons, right? Now, how is that not a necessity? How is that not a necessity? How can you tax something that a woman needs? Well, it's it really isn't a necessity because you can uh, boil rags and hang them out on the line and re- just reuse them. And, you know, uh, heating... Yeah, but, <laughs> but young, young people can't even heat up a tin of beans these days. I'm never going to work that out. <laughs> or you know, and 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 heat, of course, is a luxury. I can I can understand the rationale because you know, from their point of view, as they delight in torturing and killing us, you know, we could just put another sweater on, right? Yeah, another cardigan. Yeah, yeah. As, as long as it's not got too many sleeves, yeah. they'll probably tax you for that. Mm. It depends what kind of wool. It's, it's going to have to be synthetic. It, it can't well, be of course, wool yeah. There's no sheep left. Yeah, there's no sheep. So. Uh, and forget alpaca, you won't be getting them. No, no, no. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, I'm just, I'm, as we're talking, I'm just uh, running through this. Uh, the move to, to the following, duty to phase down UK petroleum. Uh, that doesn't mean they're not going to get it from elsewhere, right? For their own good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, UK petroleum, uh, as far as I understand, the vast bulk of uh, UK petroleum comes from Scotland, and most of it is high-grade oil which is used in industry mm-hmm. it's not used for petrol for cars mm-hmm. so uh, I, I, there's very little UK petroleum as it is as far as I understand mm-hmm. well, um, what was that so, example that Alan gave if you recall it he was talking about how under Margaret Thatcher she basically banned coal within the UK but imported it from Poland I think it was correct yeah and it was really filthy coal yeah and uh, not only did she do that, she, I think she, when she was in power, she um, uh, gave permission for the pipeline from the North Sea to bypass Scotland altogether and come in at Newcastle in England. Uh-huh. So that the, uh, I think there's something to do with tax, the taxes went to England or something, I don't, I don't know what it was. But she bypassed Scotland completely and then oil, uh, petrol in Scotland was more expensive than it was in London. <laughs> and we were exporting it to them. Uh-huh. There's a way, too, in which they put... I, I mean, you back to the point that you were making, which was a really good one, about how people are... I, don't, I wish I could remember exactly how you said it about 20 minutes ago, that this overwhelmed... You would hope that people could see what's going on, but they are almost scattered or... Well, there's no time. There's no time uh, yeah. to, to even think. Yeah. So they just, I think the point that you were making was reacting. It's like lots and lots of angry reacting. Yeah, they react rather than sit back for, you know, even sit down for five minutes and go, hold on a minute, what what am I reacting to here? Mm -hmm. What's the cause of of making me feel this way? You know, oh yeah, yeah, the government's doing this uh, and they're going to take my heat away. Well, hold on a minute, I should be reacting to that, I should be doing something about it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I shouldn't be getting angry about it. I, I am angry about it, but that's not the way I should be moving forward with this. I should be, you know, doing something about it. And uh, just as a, as a side note, we might talk about it later, but the, the US cameras in, in England, uh, people are taking action. They're, they're getting out with angle grinders and cutting them down. Really? Yeah, in, in large numbers. And uh, fair play on them. I'm not suggesting anybody should do that, but uh, I would I would not uh, be over... And bothered if it did. Interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, one guy said, and uh, another thing they're doing, there's a, a great little video by a Canadian called Don't Do It. <laughs> and uh, he, he goes through these things. If you're going to do that, if you, if you, uh, I think one of the terms, one of the things he used was, uh, if you take, don't do it, don't get old engine oil and mix it with sand and throw it at these cameras <laughs> because you will destroy them. Don't do it. And, you know, along those lines. And, and one of the things, one of the things they showed, there was a, a, a meme put out and it showed you one of these, um, surveillance cameras, 2,000 pounds, can of, uh, a spray string, two dollars or two pounds, and you just spray it over the camera. There you go. Mm-hmm. Problem solved. Mm-hmm. And that's going on quite a lot. And I, I, I hope I hope that's just a start. I hope that's really just a start. I mean, I'm not condoning violence or destruction of property, but when, when that property that you've paid for is there uh, to do you harm, then you've every right to destroy it. In my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about. Um the uh, what are they the the seventy seventh brigade I think or seventy seventh mm-hmm. brigade yeah the, the people spying on you yeah exactly and now this is in UK but believe you me whatever country you're living in you have got people that are being paid for with your tax dollars and not just algorithms not just artificial intelligence but literally brigades of people. Mm-hmm who are paid to watch your every move, to spy on you, uh, to... Well, they're, I, called, they're called cyber warriors because they're at yeah. war against you. Yes. They're at yeah. war against you. And, and I, I, I don't know what... I don't know how you get that concept across to people. I, I really wish there was an easy way to explain it, that your government's at war with you and they intend to kill you. Yeah. I mean, you can say it with a straight face, you can say it jokingly and they'll go, I, yeah, don't be stupid. You know, and you just shrug your shoulders and say, okay, whatever. They say don't be stupid. I don't understand how people can have lived through the last three years, whatever side they took, whatever position they took, and not think, not come away thinking, well, this is very unusual. But so much of the population didn't open their eyes to that at all. Everything they took as a, a fact. There is a pandemic. It's highly da- toxic and dangerous and easily transmissible, and we need to do everything that we're being that they tell us to do. Well, and, this is also comes at a time when uh, <laughs> how is it they always say confidence? Confidence in the government was at an all-time low mm-hmm. because nobody believed the word they said, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, oh, this must be true. Yes. Must be true. The government said so. Yeah. I mean, what kind of brainwashing has to be done on people for, for you to do a totally 180 degree turn and think, oh, the government's out there to save us? From birth. Since when? Since when has the government given a damn about anybody? Yeah. Since yeah. when? I've said to people, give me one example of what the government's ever done for you. I don't care which government is, Republican, uh, Democrat, you know, Tory, Labour. Give me an ang- one example of anything. Oh, well, they cut our taxes one year. I said, uh-huh. yeah, and inflation probably took care of that. Yeah. See, the, what, what you're talking about here is the fundamental brainwashing, the dialectic part of the brainwashing in action, because the you're, you're only could consider yourself waking up or dealing with reality or facing things as they are, when you can get out of that left-right paradigm, or the, you know that that the dialectic, 
because the dialectic says the government cannot be trusted, but the other the antithesis is well, the government said that we are in danger from this pandemic, so we have to do everything they're saying. Only if you can get out of that and and see, wait a minute, there's something above this government. There's something yeah. else. Well, what, what, you know, when they say well, we're all in danger from this pandemic, we're all in it together. None of these people died. No. Not one of them. No. Not one of them. No, they were driving but, off but, to spend the night with their mistress. Yeah, statistically, that's probably impossible, right? If they if they tell us if the statistics that they produced, which were all lies, of course. But if, if we go by their statistics, then it's statistically impossible that not one MP or member of Congress would have died of COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not one of them did. No. No, the only heads of state uh, that died uh, were the people who mocked it well, and, and called it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah don't Af- you think? African leaders. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the country that that African leader was from at the moment, but he was saying... He, he, they ran the test. They did the PCR test. Zambia? I don't think it was Zambia, but you're... It wasn't Zimbabwe. I think it may have been Zambia. I can't remember. It could have been. Okay. There there wasn't just one of them. There wasn't just one of them. No, there were a couple that died, but the the one, he mocked it. I mean, he did PCR test on a can of motor oil, and it tested positive for COVID. Yeah, and papaya. I think he did papaya. Yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he died, you know. He died, yeah. Well, (laughs) Hillary's probably had a good chuckle at that. Yeah. Uh, he sent us a test. We came. He died. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. You it's know. just, but you're right. I mean, statistically, it is impossible. But, you know, there's Barack Obama having a party for his birthday. And, uh, yeah. yeah. You see, Neil Ferguson, the, the, the clown of statistics. Yeah, going off to see his mistress. Right in his life. The guy who's never got a thing right, right in his life, despite all these horror stories that were going to happen to us all. Uh, running about with a, a mistress because because he's got an open marriage and that's acceptable these days. Yeah. And uh, but we're we're supposed to be uh, you know we're supposed to live up to their morals. Uh, they don't have any morals. Tanzania. They and they're supposed to be our betters, right? Tanzania. That just popped in my head. Tanzania. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's uh, <laughs> as I say, I keep scrolling through this document because I'm only at page twenty-five. Um, Another part of this is uh, requiring, right? Requiring. That means you've got to do it. Installation of solar panels on all new homes. Now, about, I remember even before I was doing this, right? Uh, I, I thought, why why are they building all these houses and not putting solar panels on? Well, they, they, back, back then, I, I remember there was a program called uh, Tomorrow's World on... I can't remember if it was BBC or ITV, but it was called, it was called Tomorrow's World. Mm-hmm. And, it, and there was, I'll tell you, there was things in that that happened now that you think, oh yeah, they were, they were, they were predictive programming. But they, they, I remember them showing, or one of these, um, one of these uh, kind of science programs for adolescents, right? Um, and they showed solar, solar panel tiles. They could tile the whole roof, as in putting, you know, it, it, most of the tile roof in, in Britain at that time was slate. But they made these tiles that looked like slate, but they were all solar panels. And I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. But why, why aren't all the houses getting built out? But no, none of them were. Not a single house was getting built with these things. And, and then, then all of a sudden they come along with these solar panels. And I, I'm thinking, why didn't you just put the solar pal- tiles in the first place? You wouldn't have to do all this stuff. 
One of the reasons is it, this is about compliance. You know, there I I would look at things as the depopulation eugenics agenda, but beneath that, for all of the useful idiots and the greedy corporations that that are part of this. There's a stacks and stacks of money to be made, and when you can fine a homeowner, when when they legislate that you've got to have solar panels on all new homes, well, not far behind that, they're going to be legislating that all homes must be retrofitted with solar panels or solar, you know. So well, that's the, the, the part of this bill as well is that uh, is the insulation capacity of these buildings as well. And if you can't afford to do, and I, I remember Alan talking about this as well, if you can't afford to do it, they'll say your home's unhabitable. Yes, and you'll have to leave. That's right. That's it. Yeah. So I mean, who? And of course, uh, <laughs> well, maybe I should talk about it now. But I've heard, I've heard this uh, spoken about a number of occasions. Uh, the Great Reset, right? Mm-hmm. The word reset, and I remember this in Scotland because it was, it was quite a well-known word in Scotland was reset, and it was the receipt of stolen goods, right? If you're in reset, you're in receipt of stolen goods, and that's a crime. So the Great Reset, and under, I think it's uh, Black's Law Dictionary, that is the definition of reset, is the receipt of stolen goods. So legally, the Great Reset is a great theft. That's very interesting, Neil. You will own nothing and be happy, because they're going <laughs> to steal it all. That's interesting. I had not heard that. Yeah, well, in Scotland, that's reset is quite a well-known term. Uh-huh. And, and well, everybody kind of knows what it means. You're, re- you're resetting somebody, something that you took to somebody else. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, but that is the legal definition of the word reset. I mean, if, if we wanted to, if, if things were going to get... Uh, go along the road and be better for everybody. It would be called the Great Restart, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as I say, the, the, the legal language is different from what we understand as uh, the meaning of these words. So, yeah, they're, they're requiring installation of solar panels in all new homes within six months. Uh, can you imagine the, the amount of money that's going to cost? The solar panel companies will be lining up. Oh, yeah, this is fantastic for us. Well, see, you know, you, you know how... Alan would always point out, he'd, he'd go, often go to Plato, but he would point out the fact that they typically do things that they've done before. They're mm-hmm. not that creative. They're, they're incredible repetitive. villains, but they are repetitive, yes. Mm-hmm. And hell is repetition. But they, they do things that they know will work. And one example of the kind of lunacy that you're talking about, Alan... I think he's mentioned it on air, but he gave me detailed descriptions about the way that people used to heat their homes in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember all of the terminology now, of, the, but there were some things that were made with coal and something else, and they weren't that, they didn't generate that much heat. But well, supposedly you had, you had, it was more clean burning. Well, you, you had to, in Ireland, I, I had some of the stuff, the, the peat. And uh, you, and I actually, I actually went out in the field and did it just as he was like. That's hard work. But um, you go out and uh, you've got all the um, the peat cut into like briquettes. It's basically mm-hmm. straw and mud all stuck mm-hmm. together, and you, it's all stacked up. And you leave it out to dry, and you have to wear like really good leather gloves because it'll shred your hands to pieces mm-hmm. once it's dried out. And that that burns. It doesn't give an awful lot of heat, and it, but it smells really nice. But you know, if you put it in a proper stove, it'll last a while. 
And then you've got compressed, um, this, a similar thing, uh, mixed with coal and stuff that's compressed uh, in the briquettes. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll do the same thing, they'll burn a bit longer. The well, Scottish coal was, was great. Mm-hmm. Scottish coal, I mean, would burn for hours. Well, that's what Alan said, and he said that, you know, like, <coughs> I mean, and so you've got that, and it requires a certain kind of stove to burn that. And the coal, mm-hmm. he said, it would give off heat that would just last hours and hours and hours. You could put some in, and then, and we're not, ta- we're not talking about wood. In a fireplace, we're talking about coal that gets heated up and then it generates so much heat it'll, you know, basically keep you warm all night long. Well, when the government says this kind of heat isn't good because of blah, 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 and we're now all going to switch over to this, what happens is the entire country must redo their home, their living situation. So you get a new kind of stove. And he was describing, I think, something that you're talking about, which was like a hybrid briquette. Well, the government made you, they'd send in teams or whatever. They'd yank out that stove that you had. They'd put a new stove in because this one was designed to burn this new kind of coal. And he said it was terrible. It used two or three times the amount of briquettes or whatever they because, were. Because it wasn't coal. Because it wasn't, it wasn't coal. coal. And then, right. and, and okay, so then he's describing, and I don't know the, the, the era that we're in here, but then he's describing that this ill-fated project only lasted a few years, literally maybe two or three years, and then, uh, you know, the complaints and the, it was obvious that it was a misfire. So they go, okay, oh, we're not going to do that, but we're not going back to the old coal burning stuff. We're going to go, we're going to try this. So that, you know, he's described to me, like, over a period of maybe a dozen years, your home has been outfitted with three or four different kinds of stoves to keep you warm. Yeah. Well, when I, when I was living in Ireland, I, I put in a, a cast iron stove with a back boiler. Mm-hmm. I could still get... I, I remember going down there to the local agricultural store, because I lived out in the countryside, and I asked them for a pallet of coal. And he couldn't believe I was wanting to buy so much. And she says, what do you want that for? I says, I'm going to burn it. That's going to keep me going all winter. He says, I never get that cold here. And that year, we had three feet of snow. We're stuck in the house for three weeks. <laughs> and then, I went down later uh, to get something else. And uh, he says, you still got some of that coal left? I says, yeah, I've got plenty. He says, how did you know to buy that? I says, because global warming's bollocks. <laughs> I, says, I says, it's nonsense. I says, anybody who believes this rubbish uh, better stock up on stuff or next winter already. Because it ain't going to get any better. And I, I, I had a, back, a cast iron back boiler. Uh, cast iron stove and that heated the hot water and everything I, I had to run hot water down this drain because there was too much of it mm-hmm. it was so efficient yeah. it ran it ran all the radiators throughout the house and but I still had to run off hot water and this stuff was hot it wasn't it wasn't just you know, 60, 70 degrees it was it was 80, 90 degrees Oh, I mean, we're sitting here, both of us are awfully hot in this heat, and we're talking about keeping ourselves warm. But, I mean, already, you know, people, I, I was talking to somebody the other day who was telling me how stocked up, they, they live in a different climate, how stocked up they were getting for the winter with their wood and everything. And they said, well, you know, eventually the government will outlaw the wood-burning stoves. Parts of Canada, and I think there are actually states, I don't know which ones in the U.S., that have some really tight controls over how you can have a wood-burning stove, and they get into the the, the pipe, the, the chimney pipe of the mm-hmm. stove, and it's fitted with 
some filters and so forth it, it, with the just rubbish excuse that this burns it more cleanly, sending it out into the atmosphere. Bollocks, as they say. That is not mm-hmm. what's going on. What is happening is that this is like having a, a low water use toilet. It just makes your fireplace or your stove really inefficient so that it right. well, people, barely people, keeps people you warm. Yeah, people who've never had a, a coal burning stove or, or a wood burning stove don't understand that it only smokes at the start. Mm-hmm. It only smokes when it's lighting. Once That's it's right. lit, there's no smoke at all. No. It's done. And people it that all- have it, people that don't heat by wood or just have what they, you know, these kind of decorative fireplaces that look mm-hmm. nice burning wood, but they're not, they're not designed properly. But people who know how to heat by wood, this is the most amazing source of heat that you will ever yeah. have. It's well, basic it's, and it, wor- it it's warm. In, in Bulgaria, I in the winter, I had a two-story house and I had a, I fitted a staircase inside, which was like a little spiral staircase, and I made sure the opening at the top was just wide enough to fit a single bed over. And in the winter, I used to get the wooden bed, the frame for the single bed, put it over that gap, and I had a cut rail went round the stairwell because I wasn't going to use upstairs at all. Mm-hmm. And I had one stove in the middle of the house, cast iron stove, and it heated up the whole downstairs. And that was um, like 100 square yards mm-hmm. downstairs, which is what, 100 square yards, three, four, uh, nine, 900 square feet. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Feet. Yeah, 900 square feet. One stove heated up the whole of that thing, and it cost me probably uh, two bags of coal a week. And wow. maybe, I don't know. Maybe a, a, a half a cubic yard of wood that would last a week. Wow! And the, the house it would be minus thirty outside, and the house would be seventy degrees. Yeah. You could walk about in shorts in the middle of winter indoors. No, that's a, it's a very efficient way to keep yourself warm in a cold climate. But oh, they, yeah. you know, they're like I said, provinces and Canada and states have already made people. Um, Some city areas, you just can't burn wood at all, and then other places, you have to do it with these silly stoves that, you know, defeat the purpose. Well, running down here again, we get to Energy Demand Reduction Delivery Plan. And uh, Energy Demand Reduction Targets for Aviation, Surface Transport, which is, what, trucks, right? Mm -hmm. Shipping, Manufacturing and Construction, so there's going to be none of that. Buildings and agriculture. So everything is to go. Everything. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything here about uh, Amazon um, facilities uh, charging electric vehicles. I don't see anything in there here about that. Uh, which is what our place is going to do in the next year and a half, apparently. It's going to go all electric. I don't, I don't know where the power is going to come from. <laughs> and this is, uh, the twi- this is now uh, they're looking at 2050 net zero target. Well, there'll be net zero long before that, I think, the way these characters are going. Something else that you had sent to me earlier, this is an article from last year from the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, the Mm -hmm. MIT Technology Review site, and it's Climate Change and Energy. And this is from December of 2022. The headline is, A Stealth Effort to Bury Wood for Carbon Removal has just raised millions. Okay, this this isn't insane. It is so villainous that it's diabolical. 
Kodama, that's this is the company. Kodama has raised more than six million dollars from Bill Gates Climate Fund and other investors as it pursues new ways to reduce wildfire risks and lock away carbon in harvested trees. Mm -hmm. Well, and and, uh, I think in the UK, the UK or it may just be Scotland, you have to actually ask permission to cut a tree down. Mm Mm-hmm. If it's on your, if, even if it's on your property, you've got to ask for that's the council if you can cut it down. So how can Bill Gates get away with it, cutting down whole forests? Yeah, and I you mean, know, you, can't, you can't even cut it down to burn you, to, to heat yourself. See, the the thing of it, the thing with the this, let's just call it the new forest fires, is mm-hmm. that. You've always had some fires, you've always had forest fires, and a, the, a forest fire in nature is nature's way of keeping the forest under control, so to speak. So some of that mm-hmm. underbrush, and I know because where I lived out in the sticks in Canada, I mean, you can't, It's a, it, this isn't the forest like they show it in the movies, it's thick with undergrowth. You'd have, you, you could get lost in two seconds in a true forest because it's just thick with undergrowth. So some of that burns off. Then they started the, the idea of controlled burning. I don't know that much about that, if it's a good thing or not. But what I do know is that these fires that we have been having for the, uh, the last several years, and you sent an interesting little two-minute clip on that off of Telegram, that these aren't forest fires as we used to know them. No, and, uh, and uh, as you say, look, these these are thick forests. The ground doesn't generally burn because it's it's still wet. That stuff doesn't evaporate. It's mm-hmm. not bone dry. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got a canopy over it for a reason, just mm-hmm. to keep it fertile mm-hmm. and and to allow the the undergrowth to grow to mm-hmm. to to develop the whole ecosystem. It doesn't it doesn't die back with a bit of dry weather. No, and the the fires that started up in a lot of parts of Canada this year, as you may recall, that many of them were already off, started crazy burning in May. Yeah, and and uh, they all started at the same time. Yeah, and um, but also in Greece, I think, and was it Greece or Turkey? Greece, I think. They they arrested something like sixty arsonists. Yes. In one fire, just yes. in one fire. Yeah. So that's that's coordinated. That's not sixty lone nuts going out and deciding to do it all at the same time. No. So that's. I mean, this has been going on for years. We've been yeah. hearing about this for over a decade. These yeah. these uh, climate nuts going out and starting fires. No. And being caught. And being caught yeah. as members of the Green Party. I don't know how much news coverage that got, but I don't think it got a lot of coverage. But like you said, the, these devastating fires in Greece. They've they basically pinned them, you know, to gangs, gangs of arsonists. Mm-hmm. My first ever foreign holiday was to Corfu in Greece, and I was um, 20, 24, I think I was, and we had a forest fire when I was there on the island, and basically our apartment block was in this kind of wooded area, so we were all kind of told to be better if you got out. There was no panic or anything. Uh, you know, take your passport, take whatever you think is valuable, your travel checks, whatever. So we took all that and we spent a night on the beach, right? Um, the power went off. I don't know if it was turned off deliberately or, you know, it, something, something happened. I think they turned it off deliberately just to save any other problems. But um, we spent a night on the beach, uh, the power was off, and then that was it. They dealt with it. 
they had the planes flying over, you could see the, the helicopters dropping the water, they just left it out of the sea, put it out, you know, like they could have done the Maui. I never saw any of that going on. And that was it. There was no panic about it, no big deal. Okay, some forests were burnt down, that was the end of it. There was no mention of, oh my god, the planet's burning, you know, mm -hmm. we must do something. No, it was just a forest fire, it happens every year. That was it. Yeah. I remember sitting there trying to eat our food and had to bring, uh, had to put umbrellas over all the restaurants because the ash was coming out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. But it was normal. Right. See, this is the thing, is that people forget w that weather changes, you've got seasons, um, you can have really, back, really hot back, summers. Back, yeah, back then you didn't have 60 arsonists going out and starting them either. Well, that's right. That's right. You know. And you didn't have as many fires, and you didn't have as many fires because there weren't arsonists going in to start them. Simple as that. You know, and uh, I, guess, I guess just on a, a, a little bit of a humorous note, I think I sent you this one uh, from What's Up With That. Uh, those damn polar bears refused to die. Yes. You know, yeah. Polar bears are all, all over the place. And I remember years ago they were having to cull them in Canada because there were so many of them. And uh, there was no mention of that either. No. These, these, these amazing animals that can swim a hundred miles without stopping. Uh, but nobody mentions that either. You know, they can't swim apparently from one ice floor to the next, but it can swim a hundred miles in open water uh, without a problem. See, the sad thing is, is that they, people believe because of scientific indoctrination, we all believe that we're living through the most, um, the pinnacle of civilization, so to speak. And the trickle down to us here at our level, those of us who are not in control and don't really want to be in control, the trickle down effect is that we're, because we're told this is the best of all possible worlds, we believe it. Yeah. And that's well, brainwashing. Any, anybody who's been alive for the last 50, 60 years must know that's not true because things keep getting worse. I think that, you know, for people who keep control of their sentience, then you know that that's not true. But see, the brainwashing, it really does work. So the same people who have completely forgotten what the last three years are about, you're talking about Eastern Europeans, okay, they're not going to go for this, and maybe some people in Europe, but I am already seeing more people masking up here, and I'm already hearing more people talk about this new variant and how it's closed down schools and made people so sick well, and, you know. Yeah, well, talk, talk about uh, the schools, they're just um, in the UK, they're, they're talking about this uh, defective concrete which was used to build schools back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And it, they, they might have to close over 100 schools, and, it might, and there might be more. There might be 100, 200, 300 schools across the country. Well, how convenient. How convenient. Um, they've known about this since the 60s, and uh, it's not really been an issue since then. They've, they've managed to get around it and put up uh, supports and all this and uh, maintain these buildings for 60 years mm -hmm. without a problem. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden... All these schools might have to close. Isn't that convenient for online learning? You know, Bill Gates said we're reimagining education. Yeah, yeah, reimagining concrete. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work anymore. But yeah. people are, people, I mean, this is the thing, is that people are have been deliberately dumbed down, kept ignorant of facts, and so we're in these little echo chambers that are, we're given 
and we have very little access to anything that is true or that is real. And part of the problem, what I, what, like I said, I've had my mind on social media and the 77th Brigade and this kind of control over, you know, cyber warriors warring against us. And part of this is that the attention spans of people have been incredibly damaged. People can't hold a thought. They want things. I mean, already you and I have been talking for an hour and five minutes. And to me, it doesn't really feel, you know, it feels like this conversation just got off the ground. Well, people will start complaining. Oh, well, you know, you talk too long. Or they'd complain to Alan, you know, that was a two-hour talk or a four-hour talk or whatever. It's like, no, this is an attention span. I mean, if it's not, if it's not for you, then it isn't for you. If you don't want to follow along or be part of it or listen to it, that's fine. It isn't yeah. for you. But well, I, I, I've, I mentioned to you uh, earlier in the week that uh, I was just getting through Dr. Stanley Plotkin's uh, um, expert testimony mm-hmm. at, uh, on a, a case between uh, two parents, one wanted them vaccinated, one didn't. And uh, I'm on hour nine. Now, I've been listening to it back and forth to work, so I've still got one hour to go. But um, you've got to listen to this stuff. Yes. You can't just you can't just ignore it and pretend it's not happening because that's what gets you in the situation you're in. Yeah. And, and that goes with everything. It goes with everything the government says. You can't just go, ah, it's just the news. It's just, ah, they don't mean that. They don't mean this. They don't mean that. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. And they mean a lot more. You've just got to, you've got to read between the lines and see exactly what they're talking about and pay attention. But people just, as you say, people have no attention span whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to believe that people would be that evil. And, you know, you, you, if you compare it to, like, I don't know, a, a Ted Bundy or a, you know, Manson or any of the, 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 the well-known, you know, celebrity psychopaths, so call them, people think that's what a psychopath is. And they, have, they, have, they can't even relate to a politician ordering the deaths of millions of people in a foreign country and not batting an eye about it. They mm-hmm. can't see that as a psychopath. Mm-mm. And, and Madeleine Albright sitting there going, yeah, a million Iraqi women and children, that was worth it. They can't see that as a psychopath. So they'll, they'll never see, like I said, that these people are at war with you. They'll never understand it. I was um, watching an interview, at the older interview between, I don't remember now who the podcaster was doing it, but he was talking to Mark Zuckerberg. And it was a short enough interview. It was only about 12 or 15 minutes. The podcaster asked a couple of questions. They were, they were talking about a documentary that came out in 2020 called The Social Dilemma. So the podcaster starts off with a question to set this up. And Mark Zuckerberg talked without taking a breath for about eight or nine minutes, kind of defensively, but very corporately. He just talked and talked and talked, and I was sitting there getting a little bit irritated inside and then asking myself why, and the why, the the answer to why is because he wasn't saying anything. Verbal soup, is it? Yeah, verbal salad, you know, yeah, it's a... This is just uh, words that are strung together, and he's very good at it, but this is... This is a technique of psychopaths in a certain position. I didn't just call Zuckerberg a psychopath. I said this is a technique that politicians use and other public figures use 
where uh, politicians are really good at the spin, where the reporter will ask a question and they don't actually answer the question. They they answer the question they wish had been asked. Yeah. Well, they, again, it comes down to the reporter, doesn't it? Because the reporter should follow up and say, well, you don't answer the question. And going back to the Stanley Plotkin uh, testimony, the, the I think I mentioned to you in a, in a message in, on uh, Skype, that the council was very, very good at leading them along this path from start to finish mm-hmm. and really going at his character at the end of it. And uh, I think uh, the last 20 minutes or so I've just listened to in the car, um, the councillor said to him, you know, there's a report by such, such, such. And Plotkin comes out and says, oh, he's a British journalist, which in, in my opinion is the lowest form of journalism. Mm-hmm. On fundamentally everything he'd said, mm-hmm. this expert witness, this guy who's uh, regarded as one of the pioneers of vaccination. And all throughout that, that nine-hour testimony, he avoided answering questions. He was caught out on numerous occasions denying the existence of documents and all the rest of it. And the, the councillor kept producing them and saying, oh, you remember? oh, yeah, I remember that now. But it was under, it was under um, legal obligation not to lie in court. It was, it was under threat of perjury. But nothing ever happened about it. He committed perjury on a number of occasions. There's video of that as well. You can see his face. He, he knows he's lying. Part of the psychopathy is that they're working out. They're never going to experience anxiety or discomfort the way a non-psychopath will. They're just they're never, yeah. They're never going to they're never going to um, experience the the the, um, the horrors to inflict on other people. No. That's and and they know it. Mm-mm. So it's very smooth. It's just like. You know, it's like any politician, it's like like Obama that'll sit there and talk to you about his Monday morning briefings when they decide how many drone strikes they're going to, you know, knowing the collateral damage there. But it's just a matter of fact thing. There's no, there's not even any, no remorse, none whatsoever. But there's, there's barely even comprehension that what they're doing is horrifying. That, you know... because they believe it's right. Yeah. They believe it's, uh, it's the, the right thing to do. It doesn't matter how many people you kill in the process. It's the right thing to do for the greater good, right? Right. But, and it's, I, I was, <laughs> I'm going to get a new T-shirt uh, made called uh, The Solution to the World's Problems is Net Zero Politicians. <laughs> and uh, see if that gets a reaction. And that, <laughs> obviously, that covers all politicians. Uh, I don't trust any of them. Um, but yeah, just on a, just on a, <laughs> I mean, people say, oh, we're talking too long, we're talking too long. I'm only on page 30 of this document of 144. I mean, how can you not talk that long on it? It's, um, I know. I mean, so this is the point that I, I you know, look, whoever's listening, I, I, somebody was complaining and, and I said, I, I'd rather have an audience of three people who are interested in the conversation than 30,000 who are just looking for a little soundbite that they can take away and go, aha, this is the meaning of life here in two minutes, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, go to TikTok if that's what yeah. you're after. Yeah, well, I was, I was training a young lad the other day, and he, uh, he, he mentioned something, and I, I responded in, in the only way I could. And he says, oh, where do you stand on conspiracy theory? I said, I don't do conspiracy theory, I do conspiracy fact. And I, I brought it up. I keep this. I keep the the uh, the cover of the Southern Independent article on the vaccination and mm-hmm. net zero solution, right? And I said I wrote this twelve years ago, and I showed him it. And he goes, 
you're dead right. And we got talking, and he was, he was, he was a bit glued up. He didn't know anything about 15 minutes later, so we had a, had a good chat while we were running around the other and stuff. We got back to the depot, and you, I, we had to drive past where they're doing all the um, installation for the electric vehicles. And I said, you know, what I'd really like to see, and I know it'll put us out of work, but I said, I want to see them line up all these vans here and one of them go on fire. Because a whole lot will go on fire. Every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, yeah, you're right. I says, uh, yeah, that would be a nice day. I, I'd, I'd like to see that. <laughs> I said, as long as nobody gets hurt. And just, as I say, I'm on page 30 of this, and this mm-hmm. is this subsection is called Industrial Lithium Iron Battery Storage Facilities. Mm. Within 12 months of the date on, on which this act is passed, the Secretary of State must make, must make regulations about the building of industrial lithium iron battery storage facilities. So they've got to build special facilities for these things, right? And the fire department has to be involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because these things are going to go on fire at one point. Of course. And it'll be a, it'll, that will be... If something like that happened at an Amazon facility with something like six or seven hundred trucks, that's a major environmental disaster. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. As I say, if if one of these goes up and they're all parked side by side, it's game over for that that whole plant. Yeah. It's gone. Absolutely. And all the people living around it for whatever the radius of that that would be. You know, that's... I mean, it's in an industrial area, but... uh, you don't have to drive too far to get to houses, maybe a mile or two. And, and even if you take away, I mean, these will spontaneously combust. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll, they combust when you're driving along the street. Yeah. I've seen that happen. I've seen videos of it. They don't just burn, they explode. You know, and so. the and even if there wasn't that, you see, a lot of people have no idea. It's just it's because it's being marketed to them incessantly, and they're getting it even in their small town chamber of commerce. They talk about you know electric vehicles. It this is something that's really being pushed heavy and hard, and I th- I think that nobody's asking the questions that are obvious what how long what is the life of one of these batteries what go, what happens well, to the battery when it's gone i mean the lifespan there is a lifespan on a battery for a tesla I and I, I i think so and do you do you know how much one of those bat i mean i'm going by several year old statistics but the batteries are about 40 dollars to yeah, get a new battery yeah, I think for a standard kind of saloon car like a like a Ford or something like that, I think they're about thirty four, thirty five thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. That's more. That's more than what car costs. Yes. And and that's that, that's why there's no second hand electric car market, and there never will be. So all that stuff's just going to be sitting in the graveyard somewhere, yeah. uh, polluting the planet. And this isn't like you can go down to your local, you know, whatever your auto parts store is in your area and just pick up a, a yeah. thirty, forty thousand dollar battery. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, that weighs a couple of tons. Yeah. 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 Just uh, put that in your can and sit on top of it. It's a bomb. <laughs> ah, it's okay, no problem. Don't spill your soft drink on it, whatever you do. Yeah. It's just it's it's madness. And I mean you I, you know, I speak to people and they say, Oh no, yeah, it's crazy. The world's gone crazy. The world's gone crazy. I say it's because people are allowing it to go crazy. Because you're all just uh, sitting here drinking your beer and you, you don't give a damn about it. Well, it won't affect me, I'll be dead. All right, you've got children. Yeah, it'll affect them. Ah, they don't really care either, because they, th- they think they'll be dead when it comes along. What about their children? Ah, well, they don't know any better. Yeah. That's the, that's the attitude. That is the attitude. 
That is the they attitude. Just, people, people do not care about anybody Mm-mm. except themselves these days. Mm-mm. I think that's the way it is. Mm-mm. They don't care. I mean, obviously, there's, there's, there's a few, but in general, they, they just... They just want to get through life and get out the other side of it and hope there's something better, if you believe that. You know, something um, Alan said in a talk that I just uploaded again a few weeks ago, I was really struck by him saying, what are you going to do? Now that you know what you know, what are you going to do with that? And Mm -hmm. he said, let's just say that there is a, a God Right, you're gonna get you get you die, and then you go and you meet with the creator. This is your judgment, and and the creator says to you, "Did you know what was going on? Yeah. Well, what did you do about it? Nothing." He says, "What what does that creator? What does that God want with you? What does he want to do with you, who were unwilling to sacrifice any of your comforts?" Uh, you didn't care, you know, that your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your great-great-grandparents had been lied to and fooled and tricked their whole lives, and you don't care that your children might suffer from this or are suffering, or your grandchildren, oh, well, I'll be dead. Mm -hmm. And you would be surprised at how frequently Alan heard that from people. Yeah, I, I hear it all the time. Yeah. I hear it all the time. I, I, I just shake my head and think, well, you know, you you don't say it because you'll just you'll get into an argument. You you want to say you don't give a damn about your family. Mm-mm. You don't give a damn about anybody. Mm-mm. You're just selfish. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, even greenies, even greenies. You know, say, oh, well, well, you know, the planet's going to die, and I know you. I'll I'll I'll, re- I'll recycle my plastic bags. I'll do this and that. And you, well, yeah, that's that's going to make a difference, isn't it? Yeah. Is that the real environmental damage is going all around you, and you don't care? How many how many bombs have been dropped in Ukraine? How much damage it, it, has yeah, been done exactly. there? Exactly. I mean, the, what I'm going to say, I'm not I'm not making a joke here. This is not black humor. But several years ago, there was a family in, uh, I think it was Latin America, and the husband and wife were so concerned about climate change, they were just distraught. They, what could they do? It was a horrifying thing. And the husband and wife basically made a pact, uh, we're going to kill ourselves and our children so that we're not contributing to mm-hmm. emissions and so forth. And they did. Yeah, they I killed their that. Ch- yeah that happened they killed the, their children and then they killed themselves and i'm not making a joke but this is a family that actually did something about what they perceived was a problem well they had the courage of the convictions they had the courage of their convictions and now i think this is a it's tragic it's a a, a total it's it's a tragic story about what happens to people when they live under total mind control. Then something like that can happen. Well, I mean, I think a lot of uh, younger people possibly feel that way. Oh, I know they do. I mean, we hear stories all the time. I know you've heard these stories, Neil, of um, younger people who be, who get sterilized. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they they're not they don't want to have children because the children you know greenhouse gases well, even, blah 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 e- even even the uh, the pressure on on women to have careers mm-hmm. you know and they get to forty it's too late they ain't going to get pregnant and that's no, it done no. and think oh well you know I'll just stick with a career then I'll just uh, have any man I want kind of thing yeah. you know it's, it's 
I mean, there's lots of built-in things. If you think about the the BPA and all of the toxins and everything that has made the male sperm count plummet, um, women in the workplace, I mean, there are plenty of factors that go into uh, a decrease in fertility and lack mm-hmm. of people reproducing. But what we're talking about are people who are consciously making a decision, well, I won't have children because of climate change. Ever. 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 Yeah, they're making that, they're making that choice in their um, early 20s. Yeah. I mean, there was actually, I saw a little video of a, uh, I think I mentioned this before. There was, I think she was uh, 26 years old, and she decided she didn't want to have children for whatever reason. She decided she didn't want to have children, and she went to the hospital, and she asked the doctor if he would um, tie her fallopian tubes or do whatever the necessary operation was to make her infertile. And the doctor refused, and she returned. She came back to the doctor and says, "You're willing to cut the genitals off boys and girls." Um, because they believe there's something they're not, and yet you won't do this to an adult who's making an informed choice based on their own uh, intelligence and what they want in life. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the doctor still wouldn't do it. That's crazy. That, that's there's something there's something wrong. With, again, I've said it many times. There's something wrong with these doctors' heads. But she was right. She was right, regardless of what you think of her, her choice of uh, not having children. That was her choice, right? And she was old enough to make that choice. She she made the right comparison. <laughs> uh, I don't. I want just this is. I mean, this is farcical. I'm on page forty nine, and they've got a, a subheading here called the legal definition. We keep going through this, and we keep going off on tangents, which is okay. But uh, legal legal definition of net zero. It's only okay if the listeners have an attention span. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, and I hope they all do. But it, it says within six months of the passing of this act. I mean, bear in mind this is this is this week this came out. Mm-hmm. Um, within six months of the passage of this act, the Secretary of State must ask the Committee on Climate Change to produce a definition of net zero. How long have we heard about net zero? They don't even have a definition of what it is. And they're making all these laws around it. They're making laws around something they have no definition for. Well, no, because you know, net zero is just a marketing ploy. Yeah, but because they, want, they don't want to say net zero means net zero you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> They don't want to admit it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, I mean, the, the usual suspect, Matt uh, Miliband's in here. He's oh, really? He's for this thing. He's a communist. Mm-hmm. And his brother. He's, I think his brother's working for the big banks or something, or the, one of the World Health Organization groups or UN or something. Uh, Apologies to achieve nothing at all. But uh, I think they've got a place in uh, it's either recreate, recreate Ukraine or Russia. I think their family hails from, and they've got an obelisk in their back garden. I think over there. Really? Yeah, that was uh, many years ago. That was that, that like, even came out in mainstream press. I think. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know if you want to change subjects. Or what. I mean, I could scroll through this all day and probably find something else, but uh, well, I'm still. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's up to you. I mean, you've sent me some interesting things. I think we could give a teaser out about something that we hope to achieve next month because I think we can, the protest songs and protest singers, we might just put that whole thing on the table for till next month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what we're aiming to do, this is on our wish list, shall I say, who we'd like to bring on with us next month? Angry North. Angry North and Boris's Bitches. 
promoted such submission and civility, spreading lies that flew against all that your own eyes could see. You tried to quash my bodily autonomy, just wouldn't see how unfair it was, how you affected me. You made it sicker and already sick society. Blind compliance was the key to your longevity You gave your life to fight that invisible enemy The real enemy you were fighting was your life and liberty With such rabid certainty I saw no flicker of a doubt You said that those like me shouldn't be allowed out and about But I wonder whether you began to sniff the bullshit out If only moments just before your lights went out But I'll never know Because now you're dead You're dead You're dead Yeah. Now, I don't know if you have his contact information. I scrolled around looking last uh, night, and I couldn't find any, but... I think I think I can get him, because he's, uh, he's been talking about doing a podcast and things himself, so okay. I think he'll be open to being contacted and stuff, and uh, I've, 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 uh, I've downloaded, his, I've paid for these tracks and stuff, no, like $126, $1.26 for yeah. each track, that's nothing, uh, and he's worth supporting, I think. We're going to find an Angry North song to plug into this episode, and we've used so far several of them, maybe at least yeah. three, four <laughs> the of them. The last, last one he released was I'm a Woman, and he, he did another one uh, recently. Uh, it's called Because uh, Now You're Dead. Uh, it's kind of a, a bit morose and uh, depressing, but uh, it's basically... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure if we can get him on, he'll describe one of these songs himself, but... Um, and, you know, from my perspective, I just see it as a, it's somebody, he's talking in general terms about people out in the public who are maybe having regrets or something, and, you know, he's explaining, I tried to explain this to you, I tried to explain this as a mistake, and, but now you're dead, it's too late, and that's it. Now you're dead, you're dead, I guess it's pointless to revisit all those things you didn't said. And I know you were only one of oh so many Who proved to be passionate lovers of tyranny But it so shook me, that mass insanity You all let the state hijack your compass on morality You gave no jot at all for human rights or liberty Turned your back on any wiser friends and family Would you say now that it was you Or maybe was it me Who was more mindful of how life's a gift That passes too quickly I don't know what's true From all the different things that people say When you die Does all your consciousness just disappear away I don't know whether there's any life beyond Or if there is, if you can see yet, you were wrong Cause now you're dead Now you're dead I really wish you'd be more cautious and less easy 
easily misled Cause now you're dead You're dead You'll never once again Wake up in your bed If you ever you listen to the lakes and stuff it's you can tell it's heartfelt from his point of view. Yes, he's bright. I listened to a little bit of the recording that you did. He he was weighing in on a protest singer, and, and uh, um, Oliver Anthony. Yes, Oliver Anthony. That is this kind of overnight sensation that's taking the internet by storm. And mm-hmm. I said, it, you you just sent that to me yesterday, and I said, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, Neil, that is just crazy, because. I had just handwritten a letter to someone who had written me and one of the things that they wanted that they asked about in the letter was what did I think about Oliver Anthony and they said don't you think it's kind of weird that they he's he's taken Alan Watts you know I'm a sincere guy I'm doing this I don't have an agent it's you know that that whole Thing that was in the case of Alan totally genuine, and even mm. as Alan said on his website, I am genuine. I have no agent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he said, and using this, I call it kind of the aw shucks grassroots protester. And I said, I, I don't know. I haven't listened to it, and I listened to a couple of minutes of a song, and it's like, oh well, you know. I mean, what is he really saying? That was what I thought. I mean, it's it's like I, he's saying something that I've heard over and over and over for fifty yeah. years. I mean, what? How, how yeah. is this an overnight any, any, sensation? Any number of any number of those types of uh, musical genre songs. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all saying the same thing. Yeah, they're all saying the same thing in different words. That's yeah. all, and the same the same tune basically. Yeah. But um, I I've only listened to the start of the uh, the Angry North. Um, his opinion on it. I've got that saved for the car for the, my next. I listened to, let's say, about ten minutes, and I was very yeah. impressed yeah. with. I was very impressed with the, how he communicated his thoughts so far. I do find it incredible how almost everybody, including so many high-profile conservatives and supposed liberty lovers, are um, how much they're so in love with this guy. Um, Almost everyone's sharing and reinforcing this message that this guy is just so special and so deserving of all this attention and adoration. Almost everybody agreeing on something. Where have I seen that before? And how could that possibly be a sign of something bad? Hmm. Well, most people would just say, of course, that he's just blown up like he has because his song is so great and his music and his message are just the right thing at the right time. It's just resonated with something deep in the population. The population loved it, and the market has spoken and rewarded greatness. Well, I'm sorry, but I beg to differ. I've watched a fair bit of footage of him, and I can sort of get what he has in terms of quality in his music and as a performer, and he has charisma, and he's he's likeable. Um, I can see that. And I actually genuinely like sad, folky music. I've done for years. But I think a big part of what we see in here, in terms of this universal praise, is crowd dynamics. And it's a bit of a emperor's new clothes effect, if you ask me. And sadly, that's not the worst or the most concerning part. The biggest thing that I think he's being wrongly praised for is that he's sharing an important message. 
I think that in that respect, at, at the best, he's an empty box. There's just there's nothing inside. I think people are desperate for something, and for someone kind of they they believe to be authentic, speaking up for them about the real core issues. And people have got the impression and the feeling that he's doing that, but he's not. So here's a bold prediction straight off, which would probably enrage some people, but it might intrigue others. And some people would probably say that it's just obvious. I feel like I could basically guarantee that Ant Oliver Anthony, I keep getting his names mixed up, Oliver Anthony is going to be used by very rich men, north and south of Richmond, to further their interests far, far more than he'll ever serve the interests of ordinary people, if indeed he ever actually does that. And I think that is the plan, and it's the reason why this viral overnight sensation has been engineered into existence, whether Oliver Anthony himself fully understands that or not. And yes, I definitely think this massive, sudden, explosive rise has been engineered. And I'll explain why shortly. His songs, they are angry. He is angry north. <laughs> but well, just, they're he's smart. He's got a lot of quiet as well. He's got a lot of quieter ones as well. Yeah, and he's smart. Um, I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he's making he's, good points. Yeah. I think uh, I, he did... Uh, I think he's only done one interview, as far as I'm aware, uh, so far. And he was... He, he said he was he, he dabbled in songwriting and stuff. He could never really get it together. But after when COVID came along, he had all the material he needed and just started writing, and it, it mm -hmm. worked for him. So, mm -hmm. uh, straight enough. I mean, you know, as I say, I'll, I'll pay one dollar twenty-six for a song. I'm, I'm not, I'm not got a problem with that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, it'd be good to have on. So we're um, we're going to aim to do that, and I think that this will open up. Um, I, I a personally whole... think I, I personally think he's listened to Alan. I, I, I have a, I have a sense that he's listened to Alan before. If he hasn't listened to Alan, or he doesn't know that he's listened to Alan, he's gotten the information in a very Alan package. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. It, whoever he has listened to has been heavily influenced, whether they know it or not. But yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I looked at his subscriber base. It's very low. I looked at mm -hmm. how many views his video gets. They're low. And I thought, this is my kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, again, those, those, those views may be, you know, blocked as well. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, I think, I mean, this is the thing, again, I, like I said, I've been thinking about social media and the platforms that we tr use to try to communicate with one another. This, these could be made up when they yeah. don't want you to know about somebody, when they don't want you to think about them or look at their videos. Well, why not just say, well, you know, 200 people have looked at this. Yeah, right. Maybe. Maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, 20,000 yeah. could have looked at it. But the psychology, and they know that this works on people, is people want to follow the bullhorn. You know, they want to follow the popular guy. Yeah. I'd, I'd, <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, this um, Oliver Anthony guy, I mean, I, I listened to the sign. The, virtually the whole alternative media is gushing about this guy. Uh -huh. And I'm thinking, well, well, hold on a minute. There's, there's plenty of bands out there. There's plenty of bands out there who have been singing about this stuff for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to the 70s. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to the 70s. Uh, even some of the, the lesser-known punk bands were, were singing about uh, stuff. Um, I was going to send you something, I think it was last month, I just forgot about it. There's a band called The Adverts, right? 
-hmm. and they wrote a song called Television's Over. And it was all about the TV lying to you. That was in the 70s. called uh, Cast of Thousands, which is about the printed media lying to you, and the stories they tell, and the lies they spin. You know, there was, there's plenty of bands out there who were singing stuff, and none of them will ever, ever get a million views on YouTube. <laughs> no. Overnight. Maybe after 20 or 30 years, but uh, not overnight. A fellow that uh, Alan knew, who communicated with him, you know, in the time that I was with Alan, was Vince White. Oh, yeah, The Clash, yeah. Yeah, The Clash. I met him a few times. I don't know what happened to him. He, was, he, bought, a, he bought a sailing boat, right? And he, he was going to go off sailing to Greece. That's the last time that Alan heard from him, too. You know, he, he actually sent a picture. Yeah, he, he sent a picture of the sailing boat. He said, I'm off to do my thing. So yeah. he dropped he out. He bank off the coast of England. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because he, he couldn't sail. <sighs> I, mean, I think one of his... <laughs> I remember being at my friend Joe's house and uh, another colleague of mine, Kevin, and, and him sitting there. And uh, he, he said to me, and we'll talk about Alan actually. And he says, No, Alan says it's, this is all over and stuff. And it says, Yeah, it is. <laughs> I just said, Yeah, it is. It is over. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, I got, I'm going to get my boat and I'm just going to sail somewhere and just try and live it out. Da, 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 da. You know, and again, that's the last I heard of him. He did gone off. I, I actually, I think he, he, um, he went off the coast. He nearly sank. He came back in. He docked. And then he sailed off again without paying the docking fees. I think the cops were after him. He, 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 said, to, he said to us, you know, he said, I'm no problem with Rockefeller. He gave me all the drugs I needed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, this guy's not. You know, he's, he's probably around still doing his thing, you know. But what, the point that I was making was that angry musicians who had some intelligence and some awareness and he knew i mean vince white knew you and he knew alan so he was cognizant he had some awareness of the agenda it's this is old mm -hmm. protest singers are old this whole idea has been around forever what does it change uh i don't know you know well, well it changes uh youtube's viewing figures Yes, yeah. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, all, all these people that are now going to this guy's concerts, what, what are they doing? Mm -hmm. 
Legit, they're going there having a good time, drinking some beer, and then going home. Mm-hmm. Just like you said earlier, they'll go. Oh, I've got my, I've got my soundbite for this evening. That's it. And that's I'll what they. Yes, that is what they want. It's like you know, uh, there was I a movie. Yeah, yeah, there was a movie that opened about. I can't remember the name of it, but it was about six weeks ago that everybody was talking about. You got to go see this. And one oh, of my the child trafficking movie. Yes. And yeah. I was like, oh, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, but it's first of all, it's a movie, and it's mostly fiction. Whatever little bit of truths in there, it's it's. I mean, I think they even say these are fictionalized accounts. And the moment somebody says mm-hmm. these are fictionalized accounts, it's fiction. Well, based on the real story, it's the I, same thing. I, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's based on what the, the the character's name. That's it. Exactly. I mean, it, you, there you've given yourselves a license to just create anything. But the point was that everybody had to go see that movie, and everybody thought that mm-hmm. by seeing that movie, by extension, they had actually done something about child trafficking. Yeah. Well, uh, let, let, let go back to to Maui, and uh, you've got this current uh, farce of uh, that guy. What's his name? The Rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oprah Winfrey standing there saying, um, you know, we are the fund for Maui. And uh, 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 a lady from Maui put up a little clip saying, uh, oh, you're so concerned for Maui, are you, when, uh, Oprah, that you, you hired a private, um, or you hired uh, fire service workers to be at your home before any fire ever started. How is that <laughs> possible? And then when all the people try to flee the fire, you hired a private security company to keep them off your 20,000 acres of land. You're so concerned. There's six, seven, eight, nine, ten billionaires on that island own huge chunks of it. Any one of them could have dipped their hand in their pocket and rebuilt that town in six months. I know, I know. And they're, they're asking for money from us. It's, it's disgusting. Yeah. It really is disgusting. I mean, the interest that though the, the the billionaires that live on Maui, the interest that their wealth makes in one day could have mm-hmm. probably rebuilt. Yeah. Nobody asks the question, why have they got all that land here? Mm-hmm. Why does Oprah Winfrey need 20,000 acres of land or whatever it is she's got? Why does she need that amount of land? That, that, is, that is the size of some cities. Well, you know, again, I'm back to Alan, but uh, it might have been the talk that went up last week. or, But he was talking about land and about how who takes control of land, who buys up the land. And I had been... Um, thinking about Al Gore because I learned something new about Al Gore and that was a land deal that he facilitated on behalf of Armand Hammer and Occidental Petroleum. And this was described as the largest private buy of public land in the history of the United States. Something that Big Oil had been trying to do from the U.S. government for many, many decades and couldn't succeed because Congress quite wisely said no. But Gore got in there. Al Gore, who's constantly painting big oil and fossil fuels with the brush of the demon, he succeeded in giving one of the biggest oil beds to Arm and Hammer. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're hypocrites. Yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, Oprah, apparently the, the lady in that uh, video from who's from Maui said uh, that uh, that deal that Oprah did to buy that land was uh, corrupt from start to finish. Really? So she, yeah. 
But again, why? Why like uh, it's Bezos apparently who's got his lands right next to the place where they developed the um, the directed energy weapons on Maui. The first one ever produced was on Maui for the American government. I didn't know that. I, I, I knew that I knew another. that Bezos had bought a bunch of land there, you know, four or five years ago, and that Bezos and his fiance have also donated something like a oh, hundred million, something like that, for the rebuilding of Maui. A hundred million. Uh-huh. That's like that's like me giving one cent. I know. You know, it's it's uh, well, or like Biden giving them seven hundred dollars a family, and then in the same breath giving two hundred million dollars to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. In the same day, and uh, somebody somebody worked it out that um, for every every Ukrainian to date, uh, this was before the, the current week or something. They've, they've just ploughed more money over there. Every every Ukrainian man, woman, child has been given two and a half thousand American US dollars. Wow! Every single one, two and a half thousand dollars, and people wonder why. Uh, all the prices are going up for stuff. Yeah, all the taxes. Well, if people can, if people cannot see the hypocrisy uh, of U.S. citizens in Hawaii, although most of them don't see themselves as U.S. citizens because they're occupied, mm-hmm. um, they can't see the hypocrisy of giving seven hundred dollars to a fa- to a family home. Now there could be two people living in that home. There could be ten. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Uh, $700 and in the same breath, you know, $200 million goes to Ukraine to, to kill people. Mm-hmm. Like, what's, what is, where's the morality? Where's, where's people's sense of right and wrong? We have lost it completely. And, you know, this also, I mean, if we're going to talk about the $700 to the people in Maui, I was in Canada and then came back. So I, I missed out on the whole, I wasn't here for the stimulus checks, right? But I talked to the people that got these stimulus checks during COVID not that long ago, a few of them. I did not realize, they they didn't realize how stiff the tax fine was going to be on the <laughs> stimulus checks. Yeah, I, I I said to Paula, I said, as soon as we put conditions on the stimulus check, we stop taking it. Mm-hmm. So we got the first one, and I think the second one was half. I says, I guarantee you, because I'm working, they're going to take this right back out of my tax at the end of the year. And mm-hmm. they did. Yeah. But, but nobody got anything. No, and I, t- I talked to people who went into completely different brackets. You know, somebody's tax bill was... X, I don't, you know, remember what it was, but the, after the stimulus checks, their tax bill doubled and it almost killed them. So when yeah. you're talking about Biden's administration giving $700 to families in Maui, they're going to get that back. The government will get that back in taxes. That money has done nothing for them. It's put them in debt. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Debt. It's hurt them. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, we paid that money back, and uh, I knew it was going to happen, so I didn't spend it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't spend it. I, I made sure that I still had that money, so as our income didn't drop yeah, in tax season. That's right. And uh, and most people would expect now just thought that was free money. And I was saying, no, 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 you better keep a hold of it, or you better make sure you save up enough to cover what they're going to take back off you in tax. No, I, I remember reading the articles about people running out and getting big, huge plasma TVs. And, yeah. yeah that's, that's what they're all doing. They they're were just television, like, television, oh, oh. yeah. As if they didn't have any. Uh, like, did not have a TV already? What, <laughs> well, what are they buying that for? 
because it's bigger. <laughs> yeah, bigger and better. You need an 85 inch television because you're just so short sighted, right? <laughs> Your, your living room is only ten feet long. <laughs> you need a, a television that's five feet long. Yeah. Yeah, it's just madness, madness, and um, and I, 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 at the time, I, I made sure I had enough money to cover what was going to be taken back. But we we bought a generator, we bought storable food, we bought, we bought stuff we needed, with tools, mm-hmm. all all that kind of thing. That's what we bought. We didn't buy luxuries, or what would be deemed as luxuries, you know. Are you telling me that you're prudent? I'm Scottish. <laughs> That's the way it is. When you're brought up poor, you're prudent, right? <laughs> Every time you go to the store here, one of the stores here, um, or a few of them, they go, would you like a rewards card? You can sign up for a credit card. You get $50 off your bill today. It says, look, I've got no debt. I've got no credit card. And one, one uh, compliments the other. No credit card means no debt. If uh-huh. I can't afford that, I ain't going to buy it. Simple as that. That's where yeah. it's brought up. Uh. And they, they cannot understand it. They cannot understand it. They're like, well, why not? You can get it today. I say, well, I don't want it today. If I wanted it today and I couldn't afford it, I'm not going to get it next week or the week after. Let me ask you a question because, you know, Alan was Scottish. This is Scottish. Um, but um, what are Scots people like now? I mean, is this hold true or have I- they been taken over by the Borg? Oh, they're probably taking over the board. Uh. I mean, people people my age, not so much. Um, but certainly young people. Young people the same everywhere. They've been doing yeah. the same BS. Yeah. You know, or bovine excrement, as I would call it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the television. It's done the job. You know, they all, they all want... The, the, I mean, I, I even people at, at work here, I see them with iPhones. You know, they, they come, oh, Androids aren't any good and that. I said, oh, how much do you pay for your iPhone? They're like six hundred dollars. I says, I paid forty nine fifty for mine. It, I'm just doing exactly the same as you're doing on your iPhone. What? You're carrying about something that people are going to steal. You know, you're going to be robbed for that phone one day. You understand that? I ain't going to be robbed for mine. Somebody comes to me and rob my phone. I say, that's forty nine fifty from Cricket. You know, you want it? You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> people with a five hundred, six hundred dollar iPhone will, will maybe put up a fight and get themselves shot. You know, uh, so it's nuts. It is nuts. It's crazy. I don't need a phone that can make my dinner and, and you know and, and do all this kind of stuff for me. I don't need to be watching uh, movies all day on a, a screen I can barely see. You know what? I just want it to to function as a phone. That's it. Yeah, exactly. We can't <laughs> stop talking. We cannot finish this conversation before I address one of the articles that you sent me that that truly had me laughing, okay? And this is from the UK government. It's a UK government site. It's the Office for National Statistics. So it is, right? It is dated April 26, 2022. Deaths in London as a result of car emissions. This is uh, from the this is from the Freedom of Information request and somebody said, so they said you asked how many deaths are recorded in London as a direct result of car emissions? Second question. Uh, no. Oh, how many deaths are recorded in London as contributed by car emissions? We said, okay, this is a government site. We said, 
We are responsible for the production of mortality data for England and Wales. This is driven by information collected from the death certificate at death registration. Causes of death are certified in most cases by a doctor who records the sequence of medical blah, 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 blah. It is unusual for wider contextual factors, such as exposure to car emissions, pollution, or air quality to be recorded among the causes of death. Um, I'll, I'll just say here as an aside, of course it's unusual for the wider contextual because everybody, even if they died from a gunshot wound, we discovered that they died with COVID. <laughs> so yeah. it's not that unusual for them to put the wider contextual factors in there. But no. we'll, we'll let them have that. So that they finally get down here to the answer after giving all this background. One death in England and Wales in the period between 2001 and 2021 had exposure to air pollution, international classification of diseases, 10th revision, uh, ICD-10 code Z581 recorded on the death certificate. There was one death registered in London in the period 2001 to 2021, which had exposure to air pollution recorded on the death certificate in either part one or part two of the death certificate. This death was attributed to environmental air pollution. However, we were unable, we are unable to determine whether this involved car emissions. Okay, so what I'm hearing here when I look at this Freedom of Information Act is they just cannot, as, as scary as climate change is and as, uh, you know, as much as they tell us that this is going to destroy the planet and is going to kill us, they can't actually link uh, climate or pollution or, you know, all of the things that, the, you know, our cars are killing us, our cars are killing the planets, but they cannot link con- conclusively one single death. Well, they can't link at all. No. Not even conclusively, not at all. No. It's what just so? one, well, there was one death registered, which had air pollution on the death certificate, but that was only part of the attri- attribution of death. Okay. Well, that could be that could be something for that an existing uh, respiratory problem. Well, it could have been. It also could have been the guy went down and stuck his mouth around the uh, tailpipe. Yeah, so we don't know. It, it, might, it might have been a suicide. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I don't want to laugh if it was a suicide. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be laughing at somebody's death. But I mean, this is the in insanity in, in twenty, 20 years. years. Yeah, and they can't even attribute one single death to, to air pollution. Yep. Not one. Not one. In, in London. No. Oh, and, and sorry, in the whole of England and Wales. Sorry. Yeah. The whole of England and Wales. But you know that in, in England and Wales that they've already put in these silly filters on your uh, chimney pipe so that, you know, mm-hmm. it only burns clean whatever, whatever. Uh, yeah. we, we live but, in a farcical world. Yeah, I've, I've always said I, I don't understand how CO2 can be plant food when it's all supposed to be up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> it's either heavy or it's not. Yeah. The only reason it's plant food is because it's too heavy to rise into the air and it sinks to the ground and it feeds the grass and everything else. <laughs> if it was lighter than air, it'd be up in the atmosphere and there'd be a lot of it. Right? Yep. That's um, right. Obviously it isn't. You know, when you when you breathe out, I don't see all that just, you know, on a cold day, I don't see it suddenly just rising straight out of your mouth and going straight up. But, uh, yeah. 
As Alan would say, facts don't matter. No, facts do not matter. They don't matter at all. Yeah. Even even when they're told to you by the people who claim that they have the answers to everything. That's right. That's right. You, you, you've, you've asked a question, and the government, the English government, the British government says, we've got the answer, and the answer is nothing. <laughs> yeah, we lied. Yeah, thanks yeah, for we, asking. We lied for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, Tim, what are you going to do about it? I think that's the next, that's the, that's the retort. That's what are you it. Do about it? Yeah. What you, oh, well, I'll just crawl back under the rug and pretend it's, uh, it's still happening. I mean, this is the thing, though, Neil, the, the, to get serious for a moment, they mock us all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. They mock us all the time. And mm. this is why, I mean, it's just so it wouldn't be part of my personality to, to know what we know and say, ah, well, I'll be dead. What difference does it make? No, 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 no. Sorry, you got me fighting mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I get angry sometimes. You got it, especially when you're out and you see these fools with masks on and stuff like that. And uh, you just got to, you, you, you can't lose it, or you're going to be the one who gets in trouble. No, I mean the, the anger. You can't. You can't. You know, when I say fighting mad, you know, all of that has to be funneled and well, there was a, there was a guy, constructive. Was a, it's got to be constructive. Yeah, I think it was a little video put up. Uh, it was a guy. At a, I think it was a city meeting or something, city hall meeting, and he said. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, cause trouble or anything. He says, but um, we live under medical martial law. We're living under tyranny from politicians, the government. Doesn't matter which one it is. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Kind of the exact words. He says, when, when do we get to use the guns? Mm. Because, because at this stage, nothing's going to stop these people until we kill them. And in a sense, he's right. Killing them doesn't mean physically killing. Just, just, just stopping them. Stopping yes. them from doing what they're doing. But again, uh, who, who's really... Th there's no politician here uh, organising, for argument's sake, directed energy weapons at places and causing fires and stuff. That's not the government doing that. That's people way, way above them. They to take the flag. Yeah, yeah. We're in the public-private system of control, and because it's public-private... It's a private mm, control. Yeah, and we're not allowed... You know, you can't know that. That's private. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so who do you go after? This is a, another famous Allenism, but there's no complaints department. No, no, but uh, again, even if, you know, even if suddenly America decided, right, we've had enough of this, who are they going to go for? Are they going to go for Congress? Well, big deal, that's, that's not who's going to control. You, you wipe, you can burn that building to the ground with everybody else. This has been said before, this has been said before, like boycott with your dollars, et cetera, et cetera, but only... If people en masse really twigged all the way, you know, and yeah. they're like, okay, I, I got it, then what that does is that means that there are a lot of ways in which you aren't complying. And I know this is true for you and for Paula. It's true for, you know, there are a lot of things that other people do that you no longer do. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of ways in which you're mentally prepared that other people aren't. And I, you know, there are places that I, don't go or things I don't buy. And, you know, if enough people said, oh, f no way. Like when mm -hmm. they raised the price of uh, petrol here uh, to whatever that was last year. Do you recall that? Yes, $4.29, yeah. something like that was here. Oh, yeah. Well, it got up in California. Oh. I think it was, you know, like six. And here it was over five. It was headed towards yeah. five. But whatever. At that point, it's like, well, I really don't need to go anywhere. 
Yeah. And if enough people just said, well, I can't afford to come to work because of the price of gas, we're not, you know, it, it's that's got a, to be that's these... That's exactly what I said to Paul earlier. The only thing that will stop this is if everybody just says, no, we're not working today. We're not yeah, going to work. We're no. not going to do anything. That's it. Screw you. We're just yes. going to take a day off. And uh, we might take tomorrow off as well. We might take the next week off or the next month off. Yeah. The whole thing would come down. Yeah. Because no is not just a two-letter word. No is in, there, there's actions that follow that. You've got to do something. Yeah. You've got to do something. You've got to, you've got to stand up and like, yeah. like these people do, these maniacs, they live by their convictions. That's they carry it. out what they say they're going to do. Yeah. And they do it with gusto. And we have to do the same. We have that's to say it. no. Enough's enough. That's it. We're not doing any of your, any of your crap anymore. That's None of it. it. That's why, again, like going back to what we're saying, you've got, you've got to go out and grow food. You've got to store food. You've got to get prepared for the, the horror show. Yeah. There's a, you know, many, many ways that people can make their own situation better. And there are lots of small ways and big ways that we cannot comply with what's going on. You know, if, if we, even enough of your neighbors, now we, we live on a corner, a corner lot here. So we've got, I guess, direct neighbors. We've only got three on the other three corners, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if those, those four people, those, those these four Houses got together and said, all right, we're, we're all going to take a day off today. And that, that spread to the next four houses, the next four houses. And then you start actually interacting with people because everybody would be hanging about the streets and the houses and stuff and they'd get mm-hmm. to know each other. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be out of the house all day and, and getting home in the dark and never meeting their neighbours. They say, what are we going to do tomorrow? They say, well, what we'll do tomorrow is, well, how about we plant some seeds? How about we do this? How about we do that? They start looking after ourselves because the government ain't going to do it. No, it's got real human contact, real human connection, because your likes or dislikes or how many people follow you or whatever. This I, 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 Are all of your followers, the people who give you thumbs up, what are they going <laughs> to do when there's no food? Are, what are they going to do when they can't go on the Internet? What are they going to do when they can't go on the Internet? You know, the, the relationships that need to be, you know, shored up, are those who are close to you. Yeah. Well, you, if you don't know ne- your neighbours, you can never trust them. Yeah. That's, that's, that's dangerous when things really get bad. It is dangerous. Well, listen, I think what we need to do is um, call it a wrap for today. Find the Boris, the Angry North and Boris's Bitches song that fits in with this. And then let's I'll get find, to work. I'll find one to send it to you. Okay. And I, 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 I sent you one. Uh, I, I did uh, have this thing in my head about talking about rationing because everything's been rationing. You couldn't, your movement, your free speech, everything is, is rationed, right? It's going to be uh, what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I, I sent you the one from uh, William Wallace protest song. You did, uh, and I haven't, I didn't listen to it yet, but I will. 21st century socialism. Ain't socialism at all. It's fake. And it's so solely controlled, designed to fool you all. 21st century free speech, designed to keep you quiet. Aligned with political correctness, and I for one don't buy it. Don't be a victim of mind control. Well, that's, that's... That's kind of covers some of the stuff we're talking about, but uh, okay. I'll, I'll find one from uh, Angry North. And I'll, All right. I'll well, we'll, pl- we'll plug them both in. That everybody is going to get 
the mystery uh, Angry North song, and then the one here I'm scrolling. Well, there was another one uh, from an old band that I I used to go and see every St. Patrick's Day in Glasgow because they couldn't play in Belfast because they're from Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. and uh, they had death threats because they were singing about the the issues from both sides, and uh, neither side liked it. Uh, so they had to play St. Patrick's Day in Glasgow. I went there eight or nine years in a row and saw them. Uh, they were Stiff Little Fingers. And there's a song in there called Nobody's Hero. Nobody's Hero. Okay, send yeah. me that. And uh, the two of us, we we have to put our heads together and we'll come up with a, a Clash song too. Since we talked uh, uh, about Vince, we can put in a little Clash song that is, we'll call it the prototypical angry protest song. Uh, <laughs> he... He only played in a couple of albums. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll find, I'll find one of his. Right. Yeah. All one. right. Well, everybody who is listening today, thank you for joining us, and I have had fun as always talking to Neil. Next week on the twenty-first, I'm going to be speaking with Peter, who is on the west coast in Canada. And I'm looking forward to that. Haven't I mean, I've, I've spoken with him, but we haven't recorded that. So who knows what we'll end up talking about. But he's a, a true character in the best sense of the word. And Neil, thank you as always for your time and for everything that you bring to the conversation, which is so much. No problem at all. It's all off the top of my head. See you next okay. month. All right. Take care. You Bye-bye. too. All right. Oh!